When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Euros Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keating, here to guide you through another day of busy action at Euro 2020. Uh, I'm joined this morning by Alex Milne of the Mirror and Theo Squires from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, morning, chaps. Hope you're both well. Um, Alex, we're going to come to you first. Um, for the Mirror, you probably are the resident expert on Spain and, and that's going to be a topic of conversation uh, for, for this morning's show. We're going to look at all things La Roja. I uh, hope I've got that pronunciation right. I can see the smile on Alex's face already. Um, but obviously through to the semi-finals um, has been a, a bit of a bumpy road, shall we say, um, for the Spanish so far. A couple of opening draws um, before you know, smashing Slovakia aside, needing extra time to get past Croatia, needing penalties to get past the 10 men of Switzerland on Friday. Um, in terms of the view from Spain, Alex, um, I'm, I'm sure you've been kind of keeping tabs on that, what for your, your ties to the country and, and having previously lived there. Um what did the Spanish media make of, of the progress under Luis Enrique at, uh, at Euro 2020? Yeah, they, I mean, they've certainly been the strangest team of a tournament so far, I'd say, haven't they? They started looking pretty bad and then went to really good. And then they're kind of somewhere in between at the moment. I think with view from Spain, is there's not much optimism ahead of the Italy game, simply because of how consistently good the Italians have been so far. Um, and as we as I've touched on, how inconsistent Spain have been. But the thing is, with these tournaments, you just never know. We saw last time in 2016 that you know Portugal were not great for the majority of the tournament, yet still somehow stumbled their way through all the way to winning the competition. So if they turn up, if if their front players start firing against um, Italy, then you certainly can't write them off. But I'm just personally terrified of a Spain England final because I've got a Spanish girlfriend and. If we lose, and then that's compounded by her singing, it's coming home all week, and I'm truly, we might have to break up or something, because I won't be able, to, I'll be able to bear it. But, but think about the glory. If, if you win, you can lord it over her for a lifetime, then. I'd rather not have the risk of that and just, you know, <laughs> take, take our chance of Italy, to be honest with you. <laughs> so you'll be wearing the blue shirt tomorrow night, then. Um, yeah. Theo, I'm just going to come to you um, with something that, that happened after Spain's game on uh, on Friday. Uh, Thiago uh, was, was seen going over to uh, comfort uh, Ruben Vargas uh, after Switzerland lost the penalty shootout. It kind of seems reminiscent almost of, and I hope you're both cricket fans or at least know what I'm going on about here, but but when Freddie Flintoff went over to um, to console Brett Lee during the 2005 Ashes series, it kind of looked like that. And it was a, a lovely, touching human moment um, that, that kind of, you know, seemed to go really viral, went around the world. Uh, and he's, he's won a lot of praise online for his actions, Tiago. And it's, it's a measure of the man, isn't it, from what, you know, you've probably seen at, at Liverpool over the last 12 months. Yeah, definitely. He's just a classy midfielder, isn't he? I mean, as you can see, on and off the pitch. Like, you think of his career so far at Bayern Munich and at Barcelona, He's been in cup finals pretty much every single season. He's been winning trophies every single season, but he's been on the other side too. So he knows what it takes to win and he knows how bad it is to lose. And the fact that he can take that little moment out there to console uh, someone he's probably not really come across before on a football pitch considering the status he's got and to have that little moment is touching. Obviously, he's close with uh, Jean Shakiri, 
who was a Switzerland captain on the night. They played together a long time at Bayern and now at Liverpool. So that probably added to it a little bit as well, because I believe it was Shakiri next to him, wasn't it? Comforting Vargas. But it's not something you're surprised by, because I think he's got that sort of aura about him. And there's a lot of players in the Liverpool camp that are like that. Like You wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Henderson was doing the exact same thing if um, Denmark had players crying after a penalty shootout in the semi-final, for example. And it's just something that it's only <laughs> it's only a shame that we haven't seen more of Thiago in this tournament because he looks so good for Liverpool at the end of the season. Um, you wanted to see him kick on and show what he's really about. Uh, instead, Spain obviously keeping him in reserves. Uh, hopefully, that stays that way, and Liverpool can enjoy the best of him next season. Yeah, I was going to come on to that about the, the fact that he's found minutes hard to come by. Um, you know, if we if, if Euro twenty twenty had taken place when it should have last summer, he probably would have been a shoe in for the Spanish side, wouldn't he? I don't, I don't think I'm. Wrong in saying that. I'm looking for Alex's uh, confirmation on that, but but he was um, you know a star man for Bayern last year and a, a really key player for Spain. But just it, for whatever reason, as, as we've kind of touched on, we'll probably come on to touch on it in, in a second or two. Um, he's just not been a starting player for Spain. They've been kind of using him sparingly. Um, do you think that just kind of is probably down to the season that he had at Liverpool? I know you said that, that he finished so strongly, but for the most part, it was kind of stop start, wasn't it, Theo? Yeah, it was like. Um... He came in and he got coronavirus pretty much straight away, didn't he? And then he picked up that injury in the Merseyside derby. By the time he was back in the Liverpool team, it was 2021. And it's when Liverpool's title defence just fell apart. They couldn't win anywhere. And it was a really hard time for him to settle. But then they got Fabinho back into midfield and they started to settle. And they made this big push for the Champions League. And he was a crucial part of that. He scored his first goal. And everyone was saying, oh, wow, this is why Jurgen Klopp was so desperate to sign him. And it's one of those where he's been such a good player at Bayern, but you still say, well, it's Bayern in the Bundesliga. They don't have that competition elsewhere. Players do take the time to get used to the Premier League and he was thriving. And I suppose he's not the only player there. You could say if this tournament happened 12 months ago, they'd be first choice. Like we're going to get on to him later on, but Jordan Henderson is an obvious one. But there's so many players that aren't even in the international squads who would have definitely been there 12 months ago. Thiago, I suppose, Alex can probably say, no, you're completely wrong here, but Spain, Spain do feel a bit like their transitional period where they want to focus more on the younger players and it's about the next tournament, the tournament after that, rather than the players they've got in the here and now. That's why Mike Ramos isn't there, is it? They've got Busquets and Jordi Alba still, but it's still moving on to the next generation. It's great having the likes of Thiago in the camp to be that experienced head, but you are looking to the future. And Pedri looks a brilliant player, brilliant prospect, and you can see why they're giving him that game time. And he's not exactly let them down, even if they've not been at the heights we've been expected from Spain in the past. Yeah, indeed. Pedri um, is one of the players that's really lit up this tournament. Um, you know, one of the, the bright young things of it. Um, Alex, in terms of how they view Pedri. Um, in Spain, for, from an outsider, the way that he kind of runs, the way that he travels, um, am I putting too much praise on him by saying that he, he's kind of looking like a young Iniesta in waiting almost, the way that he can kind of, you know, take games forward and and he, and he might be, you know, that, that crucial for Spain for the next you know, 10, 15 years, given his age as well. So yeah, young, young Iniesta is not a bad comparison then, Ed. I'd take that as a compliment if I was him. Um, <laughs> no, he has, he has looked brilliant. Um there's been certain games that it's quite surprising. He's not, he's not scored or created an assist yet, but he's kind of always there, always passing forward. I think there's a stat that he's made the most pass in the final third in the final in the final so far, which is pretty incredible. Um, and yeah, 18 years old, you just think you just go get better and better. I know Messi apparently loves him, loves playing with him, which kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, the only worry for him is that he might suffer a bit of burnout. He's played so, so much football this season. I've started every game for Barcelona, more or less. 
Um, he's been a massive part of the Spain team. And I believe he's going to the Olympics in a few weeks as well, which just seems a bit, bit of an overkill to me. I don't really know why they need to do that and why they need to risk him picking up an injury or just playing far too much football. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly as you as you touched on, Theo, it's, it's a very traditional um, transitional period for Spain. They've kind of got these young players coming through, but I think they still slightly rely on the old guard as well. When Busquets came back after missing the first few games, they looked a lot better than they did without him. So I think they're in a mix of kind of relying on a few of the older players and having young players coming through. And that's why I think they're just going to f- maybe fall slightly short this year. I, I do think Italy will beat them. But I think they'd be happy with the semi-final. I think if you'd offered a semi-final beforehand, they'd have probably said, yeah, that's, that's about our level. So but the future looks pretty bright with the likes of Pedri coming through. One of the main talking points for the Spanish squad um, when it was named, apart from the fact that he only picked, what was it, 23 players in the end, wasn't it, Enrique, rather than the 26 that, the other, um, that you are allowed, given the rules at Euro 2020. Um, but he couldn't find any room for any Real Madrid players. You know, we, we spoke about this, this Spain side being in transition. That might have been the reason behind why Ramos isn't here. But, you know, you still got some other younger talents in that Real Madrid side that, that could have made their way into it. But um, Enrique, obviously, you know, with his ties to Barcelona, it, it took a lot of flack for, for not naming any Real Madrid players in it. I think the first time, what was it, since 1950, was it Alex? Am, am I right in that respect? Or was it further yeah. back than that still? Let's go with that. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. May have got it. A long, long time anyway. Um, but has he, has he justified, you know, the, the means by getting to the semi-final, by leaving out these Real Madrid players, he's proven that he's right, given the fact that Spain are now here one game away from a final? Yeah, it was a it was a massive, massive call simply because of the way the media works in in Spain. There are newspapers that are very much either based towards Real Madrid or Barcelona. So your likes of Marca and AS are very kind of Real Madrid heavy. And if Spain did crash out early, then it would be a massive stick to beat him with if there were no Real Madrid players, and they'd be kind of pointing the finger towards that. But so far, I don't think there could be any complaints. I I personally was shocked that Ramos wasn't included just because. Even a half-fit Ramos gives you something that not many players in the world can. And just imagine him coming off the bench, I don't know, to, to kind of salvage a lead against Italy for the last 10 minutes. There's not anyone you prefer in the world, I think, to try and see out a lead. But I think he has justified it. I think Luis Enrique has had a really good tournament in terms of man management. We've seen it with Morata. first few games, he took a lot of flack. Luis Enrique stuck by him and he's really improved since then. We've seen it with his treatment of Unai Simon after that absolute nightmare own goal. Um, where again, when you got David De Gea waiting in the wings, he could easily have dropped him and given De Gea a chance. But he, again, stuck by him and he was a hero in the shootout against Switzerland. So, yeah, I think you can't really criticise too much what Luis Enrique's done. He's very, creates a very good siege mentality of us against them. We know he's not very friendly with the media. He's can be a bit of a snarly character. I certainly wouldn't reddish interviewing him, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, can't complain with what he's done so far from a Spain perspective, that's for sure. Uh, another big talking point over the weekend um, from, from England's emphatic win over Ukraine was Jordan Henderson finally, finally ending his uh, wait for an England goal. Should have done it about a month earlier, but we won't come on to that penalty too much. Um, but Theo, for for him, we could see how much it meant to him in the celebrations. Um, and it, it's, it's another kind of landmark moment for him in, in his career to finally get that first goal for England after so much success at club level. And, and hopefully uh, in, the, in the coming days, a bit of success at international level as well now. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, Jordan Henderson is one where he celebrates every goal the same, but it's like he's at a schoolboy on the playing field still, isn't it? There's so much excitement and joy just to get oh, this goal. And it has been a long time coming. Like, we've got the missed penalty. He had a diss without goal, was it in the group stages? He's come close before. 
But it's one of those where fans are really starting to appreciate how good a player he is now. And I know he was given stick at the start of the tournament saying he should not be in this squad. He's not fit enough. He's not played enough football. But he's more than justified his place in it just by being this key senior man in the sides. And it's one of where over the last few years you've seen a growth in him as well. Like it's very easy to be all pro Henderson when he's lifting Champions League and Premier League trophies. But I think with fans coming out of stadiums during the pandemic, you've really seen what he does on the football pitch. The fact that he's such a leader, he's there pointing to all his teammates, talking him through games. Like when he came on in halftime against Czech Republic, when all the players were running past him as he was warming up, he was giving them all little pointers. He was straight over to Saka, he was straight over to Kyle Walker, giving them advice, talking through it, final whistle, doing the exact same with Tyrone Mings, giving him advice. He's just got so much experience. He's so important for the squad. We've heard Gareth Southgate say it throughout the tournament and Harry Kane too. And you'd like them to be able to give have a bigger role for him. It's not as though he shouldn't be in the starting eleven. It's just that Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips have been playing well. Phillips has had a great tournament. Declan Rice has obviously got a bright future ahead of him. And it's hard to find this space for Henderson. But if he'd been fully fit, it'd probably be first choice. And then it's just what what's his position in the squad going forward? But he can be such a key player for this England team for years ahead because he's got that experience, because he's been there and he's done it all. Like you think of the uh, the golden generation where they fell short, but they had all these big names, these big experienced players. The younger players would come into the squad and they'd feel intimidated by it. They've all been on record saying that you didn't know what to do when you're in the same room as a Gerrard or a Beckham. You don't get that with Jordan Henderson, do you? You saw like Jude Bellingham going mate, uh, crazy on the sidelines when he got this goal. You see him joking around with Jaden Sancho um, after it. There's no like club allegiances there. They're all just happy to be in the camp together. They all get on really well. And you need the senior men in the squads to make a difference. And Henderson's there and you can just tell how much they're loving having him in that camp and they can just learn off him. It doesn't matter whether you're the 18-year-old Jude Bellingham or if you're Jack Grealish, uh, he's finally getting the respect he deserves. Um, Alex, it's, it's a measure of how good Henderson is as well that, you know, yes, he's not been starting, but when he's come on, um, you know, he, he he hasn't let him down. He's not made, uh, you know, any errors, any clear mistakes. I hope I'm not putting a jinx on him for Wednesday. I know I'm going to say this. But, um, but he's, he's been very impressive coming off the bench for England. And prior to this tournament, prior to, to um, he hadn't played since February, had he? So it's a measure that he can come in to an international tournament, the intensity of an international tournament. And yes, he's not starting, but still come off the bench and play to the level that he has and maintain and, and keep that control for England that they've had throughout matches. Um, He's possibly one of the most underrated players of his generation, but you know, as Theo said, there people are probably starting now to to really kind of wake up and realise the talent that Jordan Henderson has. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love him. I'm not a Liverpool fan by any stretch, but I, I always admired him. Always admired his leadership abilities. I mean, he said he did interview him last year. It might have been yesterday where he was talking about how much he's tried to help the players who haven't been getting a lot of minutes off the pitch. And again, we've seen with England teams in the past if there are big names who have been left on the bench, you've heard stirrings of kind of unhappiness and trouble behind the scenes. And yet this is what this England squad's so good at. Everyone has a role in the team. Everyone is just the morale seems absolutely through the roof. And it's because of leaders like Henderson who don't have a huge ego, who aren't, you know, separated into Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal camps. Um, and he's he's just been brilliant. And I think he still will have a big part to play in this tournament, whether that's coming off the bench or starting. Um if we need someone to kind of keep a cool head in the last 20 minutes of the game or whatever, he would be the absolute man to do it. And yeah, he's, he's, he's an absolute credit to himself and a credit to England. And I, I highly hope he continues long into the future. 
Um, Theo, I know you're from the, or cover the red half of Liverpool uh, for, for the Echo, but I feel like I kind of almost have to ask you uh, about a man from the blue side, um, Jordan Pickford for England. Um, five clean sheets in this tournament. Uh, first uh, first time in European Championship history. The only other time that it's happened at a major tournament was, was Italy in 1990. Um, he, the defence on the whole has been tremendous, but Jordan Pickford himself has been in great form for England uh, throughout the tournament. He's kind of really, really catching the eye and, and really impressing so far. Yeah, he is. He's having a brilliant tournament. It's one where you can go pretty much in every game. He's made a great save and it's been a lasting memory throughout the tournament. I know he got a little bit of stick, didn't he, against Ukraine for a couple of slice clearances. But get them out of the way when you're winning 4-0, as long as you're not doing it when it's a like really tightly fought semi-final or anything. But I think that for Pickford is, he's actually been in this form for quite a while and people haven't really noticed. Like he, he missed the March international breakthrough injury. But since he came back from that, he has been exceptional and he's been doing these level of performances for Everton. But it's not the fact they missed out on Europe and they had that late season blip because of him. It's in spite of him. The rest of his teammates had managed to match his performance levels. Everton probably would have qualified for Europe. He had his high-profile mistakes earlier in the season and rightly calls for him to be dropped for Cup and Cup Country. But Carlo Ancelotti managed him really well. And I know a Pickford in this tournament has said how well Ancelotti managed the situation, how he had Robin Olsen come in and gave him that little bit of competition. He's taken out the firing line a couple of times. But he's definitely benefited from it. And it's one where he's going to be a hero for England or a villain if it goes horribly, horribly wrong. At some point, like we've seen him beat a penalty shootout hero in the past. We've seen him now make crucial saves against Germany, against Scotland. I think those are the ones that come to my mind when you're talking about this tournament. And it's one where he'll probably be goalkeeper of the tournament, even if England don't reach the final. He's definitely been one of their star men and kept them in games. And it's this confidence he brings, like the back four, back five, has been chopped and changed throughout the tournament. I think, was it, John Stones is the only one to start every single game along with Pitford. And it's that still, he brings that stability to it. Like he's coming off his line, claiming crosses, taking sting out of games. And when it's such an important part to how England play, to get these clean sheets, to have this strong defensive base, he has been vital for it. And I know he's been practicing penalties, so maybe he can be a hero at both ends of the pitch if it comes to that at some point. But for Everton fans, I'd love to see him be able to carry this on into the new season to Rafa Benitez. I just know the bug there for them at the moment is that people think there's one Everton, Jordan Pitford, and there's an England one. No, it's the same player. He's been this good for them for a while now. Away from the action on the pitch this weekend, uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but uh, Atomic Kitten uh, went viral uh, over the weekend after finally, finally singing uh, that version of uh, Whole Again uh, with the lyrics changed to obviously reference Gareth Southgate, uh, which leads me somewhat nicely on to uh, asking you for your your favourite England songs of all time. I mean, I had the, the privilege as well last week of, of watching John Barnes perform uh, The World in Motion Rap as well down <laughs> in Box Park Croydon. Um, so, you know, a couple of brilliant moments for me there. But for yourselves, and, and Alex will probably come to you first, what are the what are favourite England songs that you look back on that you, you probably grew up with watching tournaments when you were younger? So I'm really going off Three Lions just because I live right next to a pub. And I've been the amount of times I've been woken up in recent weeks just by people streaming out singing it. Now I don't. I'm getting maybe I'm just getting old, and I don't mind on the match day, but on a Monday night or something like that, I, that's just not what I want to hear. At one in the morning, personally. 
So I don't like that one as much now. I'm going to go for a bit of a, a cheesy choice in Ant and Dex on the ball. It just makes brings it all back to maybe those glorious failures of the past, uh, kind of buzzing in school about World Cups and Euros and things like that. Um, nice, cheeky, cheerful song. So that would be my choice. I'd also, if I want to get really pumped up, I'd probably go for All Together Now, just to kind of get the get the juices flowing ahead of a big game. But my, those are my top two. I've got, of course, I've got a little playlist that I put on before every England game, and I, I don't really skip any of them because it's all part of fun, isn't it? Um, Theo, what about for yourself? What, what are the, the England songs that you probably listen to on a match day just to get you in the mood for a game? It's not really been any good ones, has there, since all together now? There's nothing that really springs to mind. Maybe that's what's going right now. They've finally started to find a bit of form without these songs. Um, yes, yeah, got to be three lines, hasn't there? Three lines of mold emotion are the go-to ones. Um, you'll get some cheesy ones, like Spice Girls did one, didn't they, for 98? And then you'll get the old 80s classics where it's the England team all together singing, and it's just a bit cringy. Like, it's a bit of a beat to it. Yeah, Vindaloo. Um, you can't look past three lines. I will say, though, that I'm starting to grow on this Bono one for the Euros. I heard it the first time before the tournament, and I wasn't a fan. But when you're in the stadium and you're hearing it before every game, I might have been brainwashed here, but starting to grow on me now. And I suppose if it can go all the way, then it's one where we'll look back on it fondly. But for purely England songs, it's just how can you not like three lines? Like when we've had a season where we've not had any fans in games, and then those scenes after the Germany game, when you're hearing them all arm in arm singing it, and even in Ukraine hearing it on the TV screen, now 60,000 at Wembley for a semi final, it's going to be even louder. So you better get used to hearing it for a few more days yet, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, before we came on here I did promise um, Alex as well that I would reveal a fun fact about myself and Three Lightens uh, when I was about nine years old I managed to perform it on stage with Lewis Capaldi in France he would have been about six um, so yeah so there's my little claim to fame as well um, you know um, but oh, I'm surprised that no one picked yeah um, so on holiday in I France um, uh, little like, yes, yeah, so we were on holiday in France and like there was like a kids club that they had um, and there was like a talent show. So the kids club, um, which myself and Lewis Capaldi were part of, um, decided that we'd sing a rendition of Three Lions. Um, so, yeah. So look at him now, patriotically telling everyone uh, how great Scotland are. And there he was as a, as a kid singing the most England anthem of all time. You know, got a video of this. This could be like one of your stories. <laughs> I, I, no, no videos back in the day. What was it, 2002? So obviously like parents and, and cameras probably only stretched as far as taking photos back then. But we do, my mum does have a uh, photographic evidence somewhere. Uh, unfortunately, I can't dig it out now because they're currently down in, in Cornwall enjoying a nice holiday <laughs> down there. But, um, but yeah, there is photographic evidence of Lewis Capaldi and myself on stage singing Three Lions. I reckon this should be the 2022 World Cup. Sorry, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Remix of it, yeah. Who sung it better? Um, but chat, well, a different song, a different version. Get him to write a new song. Yeah, yeah. What was that? <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm disappointed that neither of you two picked the uh, the Hamiltons from 2006 with England are Jolly D. Um, if you've not watched it, don't waste your time. Um, chaps, we've had a few uh, comments in as well. And as soon as we've got a bit of time, uh, just run through a couple of them. Uh, a lot from uh, Biblop Keshaw, Deb, uh, who's a regular contributor to, uh, to all of our shows, really, um, saying here about how... Uh, what Henderson has been doing for the three Lions and for his club over the years is outstanding. Uh, an international goal for him was long overdue and he deserves it completely. Um, Biblop also uh, went on to talk about the defensive setup that England have and, and how phenomenal um, P. 
Pickford has been. But but interestingly as well, he gave us his thoughts on the uh, the Italy versus Spain semi-final, uh, saying how uh, he believes that Italy going into it as a clear favourite, having proven already how good they can be throughout the tournament. Um, but Spain cannot be written off. And there's a further comment from him talking about how Spain, like yourself, Alex, were, were discussing how much in transition uh, that they can be. Um, but Biblock, thank you for your comments this morning. Thank you, everyone, for your comments. Uh, Alex and Theo, thank you uh, for, for joining us for this uh, magical mystery tour of Euro 2020, England songs and Lewis Capaldi's patriotism. Um, Neil, uh, 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 Guy Clark will be back tomorrow, not Neil. I don't know where that came from. Uh, but Guy Clark will be back tomorrow uh, with hosting duties as we look ahead to the first semi final uh, Italy versus Spain at Euro 2020. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more to digest on that show. <laughs>